And we are live. Welcome, everyone. My name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative, and you're watching The Circle, where every first and third Tuesday of the month, I'm talking to artists, activists, social entrepreneurs, people doing great things in the world today. And today I have a very special guest, Narissa Street. Uh, thank you for being here. <laughs> Uh, thank you for coming back here again. And so we're just, I'm just coming off of a little break the past two months. I have a lot going on for some people who are following me. If not, please find out. Got a lot of things going on, but I'm really happy to like restart, refresh. And I'm so honored that Narissa is here to join us. Uh, thank you for being here. And I think okay. you're So uh, we're going to get, let's see. So we're live on a couple of places. We are live on LinkedIn. We're live on Facebook on Nikki Lopez Creative. We're live in the Facebook group, The Circle. Uh, we're also live on YouTube and Twitter. And after this conversation is over, it's uploaded and can be found on any of your favorite podcasts. I see we have Julia Lewis-Spann. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So just jumping into it. So uh, Narissa is a transformational teacher, grant writing expert. She's also the owner of Be Your Own Answer. And a little blurb, Narissa Street is a multi-award winning transformational teacher who amplifies new, wiser stories. She's the founder of BlackWomanPodcasting.com and runs Be Your Own Answer, a company that combines practical tools with experiential, experimental storytelling and create powerful, sustainable change. <laughs> Sorry, that seemed like a, a tongue twister. So how are you doing, Marissa? Wow, um, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a beautiful platform. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and we have... <laughs> Without fail, Eric and the Jazzers checking in from Fort Liquordale via the Boogie Down Bronx, sending support and blessings your way, Nikki. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. And we have Idelma, yes, wonderful work, absolutely. Uh, we have some more flowers and claps from Julia, thanks so much. So it's been a little while. So anyway, we have You've been on The Circle before, and for those of you who have not seen that, you could go back in, in the archives and find that. But just for some who may have missed it, can you share a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what started and inspired your journey? Um, well, uh, as you said, my name is Narissa Street. I, uh, who am I? I would say I am a perpetual student. And... Um, how that shows up, specifically that shows up in me being a, a storyteller. So I'm a, a student of life. And I see these just amazing opportunities for uh, people to grow and, and be and live and love. And I'm really excited to share every possibility uh, with anyone who's open. Mm. Wow, that's a lot. Thank you, thank you. That's amazing work. <laughs> um, so you have on there transformational teacher. What is that, and how did you get there? 
Well, the thing about being a perpetual student is that I'm a student because the things that I learn and observe, I just want to share. Mm -hmm. The thing is, that's not just teachers learn things and then they share them out. Great. But what I've found is the most powerful way to communicate information and knowledge is to not give what I know, but to pull out from somebody what they didn't know they know. Mm. And so when that happens, when you all of a sudden see you are more powerful than you think you are, you know more than you think you do, you're capable of more than you thought before, that opens the door for transformation. That is transformation. So it's an amazing opportunity for me to stand in the gap for someone who has a, a tremendous potential and help them pull it out. But I, I do that by telling people new stories about themselves, about the world, and about what they thought was true. Awesome, and we have uh, we have a couple of uh, comments. Oh, thank you, Delma. Both of you are doing amazing work, as well as you are, uh, Nikki and Arissa. Uh, Julie agreed, and Sylvia, thank you so much. Sylvia, she's just a dear, dear friend of mine. One of my first jobs many, many moons ago, um, I met her and she's, we just been able to virtually stay connected. So thank you for being here and always showing up. And um, thank you, for, Narissa, for being a transformational teacher. Um, so what is Be Your Own Answer and what type of services do you provide? Um, so the, the quickest way to say the transformational services, uh, that I provide is the, hmm, I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that you're asking me this question and usually have the answer right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, uh, the spirit that's inside of me is taking me in a different direction today. So. Be your own answer. Well, we can go there too, you know. We're going. We're going. <laughs> okay. We're so, be your own answer came out of my frustration as a um, a community advocate, right? And what I found, and this 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 company was launched maybe I think in 2014, um, and where it came out of is me being intrinsically involved with a lot of community advocacy and community work and seeing that there was a disconnect between the agencies that wanted to help, right? And the people they wanted to help. Mm -hmm. And what I found was not for a lack of integrity or not for a lack of authenticity, but a lot of the agencies were, had observed whatever was going on in the community, in, in the, the arts, in health and education, they'd observed what was going on and had decided that they had the solution, the answer. Mm -hmm. But 
they weren't engaging the people they wanted to help in that answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, they would just kind of land into the community and um, just say, here, take this Band-Aid and it'll solve your problems. And maybe it would work, maybe it wouldn't work, maybe it would work for a little bit. Um, but because there had been no ownership with the people who people wanted to help, it didn't stick. The change wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. Not only that, when you, um, as a teacher, this is something that you learn as a teacher. If you want to teach someone and you have not in any way, shape or form sought engagement or buy-in from your students, you could have the answer to every problem that they have and they're not going to be open to it. They're not going to learn it. Nothing is going to be done with the knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And so when I saw over and over again, the organizations that I worked with were doing great work or they had a great heart for the work, but it wasn't going anywhere or it, it would start and maybe they'd go and then it would cycle again and again and they'd still, they'd be solving the same problems for years. For me, that didn't make any sense. It meant that we were, really weren't doing anything. We were just kind of, um, we were, we were bailing water out of a boat that had a hole in it mm. instead of patching the hole, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it, it came out of that and, 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 and really now um, moving from frustration to a sense of curiosity. How do we get um, communities to really change? Uh, well, then we go into the communities and collect qualitative data. And, and what that really means is you go into the community and you ask um, for anecdotes, which is like you, you ask for what is it, what's the context around the problem that you have? And so what that does, context is another word for story. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're going into an, org, uh, an audience, you're going into a community, you're going to help somebody. You need to know the full story. A lot of times we, we want to approach, we see a, a really bad problem and we want to approach it and we're saying, let's solve it. But the problem has been in existence for years, for decades, sometimes for more than several decades. And we think just taking one approach is going to, to dissolve the problem. No, you need to know the story. You need to get into the story. You need to have patience to really find out all of the roots, the root causes. And for some of our most pressing problems, they have more than one root cause. So you have to get the story. And um, any good journalist, knows that you can't just have one source mm -hmm. so it just it takes some time so be your own answer really the the <laughs> the long story to the short answer is be your own answer is a distillation of my 20 years of practice in the community helping people who are really in the midst of the problem 
understand their power mm. and it helps by giving them practical tools to address their own problems and engage larger supporters, funders, sponsors to help them solve their own problem. Yeah, I, th I think that's huge. You know, um, I have a little bit of. I think that's a huge thing because you have a lot of different organizations that feel like I want to help. I want to help. I'm being helpful. I created this thing, but no one's using it. No one's appreciative. No one's grateful. But it's like they haven't, you know, contacted the people that it directly is supposed to help to see what do they need. And I think that goes across with anything when you're going into communities, feeling like I'm going to be the savior for this community, but you haven't talked to a resident, you know, if you go into these. Uh, so I, I love that approach and, and thinking of that. And, and I think that makes a difference when you have people who feel like I was a part of that creation or they heard me or they understand me, or it's not just like someone with this handout, but it's just like really getting to know that person so they can help them. So part of that then, um, as you're talking about the savior complex, I have a series that I've been developing on my podcast called Redefine Good. Mm. And part of the series is me talking about the savior complex. And it, it's not, meant to discourage people from being philanthropic. Mm -hmm. It's meant to help them have an approach that is from a sense of peer to peer, as opposed to savior to victim, mm -hmm. right? When we understand that the resource that um, the person that you're trying to help has, is their own wisdom and that what you have is a resource then you really are creating sustainable change mm -hmm. but that requires a dialogue and that requires an un a different understanding of what it means to do good in a community mm. yeah. yeah so so it's 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 a challenge <laughs> that I am putting out to those of us who are change makers and those of us who want to support community change, community public benefit. Are we willing to redefine what good means, particularly in this, this time period where everything is changing? Are we changing as well? Are we keeping up? Are we being relevant? we've got to look at that and we've got to be willing if we want to continue to be philanthropic we we've got to be willing to really understand that um, philanthropy is not a handout mm -hmm. philanthropy is just an investment and it's an investment in something that you are hoping to invest your way out of like just like any other investments it should have an exit plan, mm -hmm. right? And so um, for me, what I think is, is as we're, we're, we're redefining good, we're starting to really understand that philanthropy and business are tied together. And they're tied together when 
our community is healthy, when our democracy is healthy. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, that goes back to what story are we telling about what's next? So I, I'm, I'm challenging us to, to redefine what it means to show up as good in this community. Mm. Yes, thank you for that. We have Sophie from ArtServe. Loving this convo. Hi, Neri. I missed the circle. So happy I catch you live. Yes, yes, thank you. If you have people, I you know, there's a couple links on my Instagram. If you know the type of stories that I'm sharing um, and you know people that will fit that, you know, send them my way, definitely. Uh, Narissa, what drives you to continue to want to make a difference in the community and in the world? Because I live here. <laughs> I mean, that part. Like, really, really, let's be plain. Because I live here. Um, and a lot of people are content to let me just make as much money as possible so I can float above everything, mm. right? So I can float above the world. I don't really have to be, you know, whatever is going on um, in the world, I'm not of it right and and for those people who have a a spiritual uh bent that actually is something that i hear a lot of people say well i'm in the world but i'm not of it <laughs> i'm both mm -hmm. and i i'm both because i love people i love people i love the students that sit in front of me whether they're young or they're older than me or twice older than me. Um, I love this planet. The, the, the beautiful, we are on a beautiful, like a beautiful planet, the nature, the fact that there are, are so many ways that we can connect um, with just this planet. I live here. Mm -hmm. So I want the place that I live, this is completely selfish. And this is another thing I talk about in Redefining Good. Um, because I live here, I want, I want this place to flourish. I want the people that I love to flourish. So that is a very real reason why I continue to do the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me, it makes me happy. It, it brings me joy. It reminds me of, uh, there's an Alice Walker quote that I love. Activism is the rent that I pay for living on this planet. So definitely, absolutely. What are some of the challenges? What are some of the challenges in the work that you do and how do you overcome it? So it's interesting the word challenge and I just feel like it's just part of the work. One of the biggest challenges, um, because I, I'm, I'm doing work that's community oriented, um, is really, sometimes the change agents don't wanna change. Mm. <laughs> so sometimes those of us who have been in the community for however long, um, we feel really comfortable in the work that we're doing because we know it. But part of change is that things become different. <laughs> and so we've got to become different too. Um, so one of the challenges is 
the founders. Um, we call it founder syndrome. <laughs> so one of the challenges is that the founders, you know, we, we're, and I'm a founder too. I have a really great idea on how I want to uh, work with the people in my community. And I need to be open to the fact that they may need things different than what I came to the table with. Mm. So um, I teach a class um, as part of um, an academy. So I'm doing a, an, an academy called Roar, which is um, helping people who want to become better and more effective change agents. And one of the things that I, I work with people on is being in the community and sharing their knowledge. The first thing I start that class with is what you teach, what you want to teach isn't necessarily what your students need to know. Mm. Like we, we, we fall in love with the, the information because of what it did for us and how it transformed us and how it changed us. And the moment that you sit in front of an audience, you have to be open to the fact that what you teach may not be what they want to know. And so that means that your role in front of them isn't necessarily teacher. So you have to be open to that. And again, the way that you find that out is by getting a story, engaging them to tell their story. And there's, there's, there's quick ways that you can do that because you only have a few chances when you're in front of an audience. So I'm loving this. Okay, this I already saw that. Sorry about that. <laughs> How do you describe storytelling as it relates to your work, and why is it important for change makers and organizations to tell their story? Oh, okay. So let me make sure I'm hearing hearing that. So you wanna you want two things. You want me to describe storytelling specific to the work that I do, mm -hmm. and why change makers need to tell their stories. Yes. Okay. All right. So storytelling as far as community change for me is very simple. It is helping your constituents or your clients understand that they are their own hero. So you should be communicating your message in a way where you are not the one saying, I'm going to come in and save you, but you're the one saying, you called me to help you. You called me to help you solve this problem. And so I'm like the, the Alfred to your Batman. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, the fortress of solitude to your Superman, whatever, the lowest lane to your Superman, whatever. Um, you should be telling your story in such a way that it doesn't so far elevate you from 
your clients that they don't think what you're suggesting to them is attainable, right? At every moment, you should be letting your clients know that it's only a matter of time before you get to take this over. Why? Because that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. So that's storytelling as far as I'm, I'm, my work is concerned. Why is it important for change makers and organizations to tell their story? So I'll, I'll use an example. If you watch the Super Bowl recently, um, whenever it is that you listen to this particular episode, uh, the Super Bowl in 2022 became um, interesting to the audiences because there was an advertisement in it that just featured what's called a QR code. And that was it. That was the advertisement. When there was feedback from the audience, a lot of people who had never seen a QR code before in that context had thought something had gone wrong with the broadcast. However, there was another segment of the population who knew exactly what the QR code was, grabbed their cell phones, went up to the television and scanned it. And when they scanned it, it landed on an organization, okay, um, who has not paid me, so I'm not going to say their name. <laughs> <laughs> um, it landed on an organization which to that point had not crossed over into the mainstream, okay? So think about the fact that the Super Bowl is probably the most mainstream platform that you could have. And now this organization that had kind of been on the fringes planted itself firmly into the mainstream because people are like, well, what is that? I don't know. What is that? I don't know. Did you hear what was going on? And so even if you were confused and you had never seen a QR code, you went to do some research and found out what organization it was. That is storytelling in an interactive and engaging way. You've now made the audience interact with you so that they could complete the story. And this is the concern that most change makers and most businesses get wrong with storytelling. Mm -hmm. People sit still for a story not necessarily because they want a journey. They're waiting for the happy ending. It is your job as a change maker and an organization to develop such an interactive story that your clients see their happy ending in it. Mm. Are you doing that? Stop just randomly producing content. 
give somebody the possibility of a happy ending. And they're yours. Wow. <laughs> There's so much to kind of digest with that. I think even you know, I'm loving this conversation, but I'm definitely going to like go back afterwards and listen to it later. What are some of the challenges and opportunities in developing or refining your story? So I touched on that a little bit. Um, the big one is understanding that you don't just have one story. And so it's okay because I, I do a lot of grant writing. I'm so, so proud. One of my clients who came from a referral um, just signed the contract for a six-figure Department of Health grant, right? That she previously was like, I, I can't. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like, yes, you do. Just we're, we're going to walk through it. Um, the challenge was telling the right part of her story so that the Department of Health could see itself aligning with her mission. So, so she didn't drift from her mission. That's actually something that a lot of nonprofits do. They see, oh my gosh, a six-figure Department of Health grant. You know what? We have this program that doesn't really align, but we can just make a whole new body of work just to, you will know, we'll do a project and we'll just align in there and we'll grab that. That's called mission drift. And she didn't have to do that. Hmm. What she did is she had to understand this part of my story is an alignment with what is sitting in front of me. And also say no to the things that aren't in alignment. Mm -hmm. So the developing and the refining of the story takes some time. And one of the things that people who are change agents, who are cultural workers and things like that, we love being with our people. We love feeling the, the energy of what it is that we're doing in the, in the community but we don't take the time to fully understand the possibilities in our own story. It takes time. You, you gotta disconnect. You've gotta do some deep reflecting. You've gotta sit still. And most founders are afraid of sitting still because they're afraid that they're going to lose some opportunity or they won't be able to help the people that they love to help or they might lose some money. And I will tell you, you are losing money already. Mm. So uh, maybe this is a little gruesome, but the first thing, if you are injured and you are bleeding because you're already losing money let's just be real you stop moving so that you can figure out where you are wounded and then you address the wound mm -hmm. 
So you need to sit and reflect and you need to understand what is it that I'm not doing well? Where is it that I'm, you know, losing a lot of my time? You need to sit still, address the wound before you keep moving around and lose more blood. So it, it, it's a challenge because that takes some time. But I will tell you, um, if you're with the right person, if you have the right coach, it takes a short amount of time. So I'd, um, specifically with this particular client that we have now, um, it took a weekend. Wow. I, I, she was referred to me on Friday. Um, she called me on Friday. We talked through the weekend and she was ready to go on Monday. But she had to sit still. And I definitely relate to that, like of sitting still when you're like when you're independent or entrepreneur, you're you're creating, you know, sitting still is scary. You feel like, okay, what's the next thing? Because you don't have, you know, people who have maybe traditional income um jobs have traditional incomes and it's Friday, yay. You know, for us, you know, when we have projects or grants and those things, we're relying on it for to grow our business, to move it forward, to provide for our family, to provide for people that work with us. Um, that does feel risky. It is risky, but survival is killing you and it's killing your creativity. And I'm gonna just speak very plainly. It's also killing our communities, the survival mentality that I have to keep moving. Um, instead of our communities flourishing when we're in the survival mindset the roots don't have a chance to really go deep mm -hmm. the trees like the best trees in in your neighborhood the most flourishing trees have long and deep roots the ones that have been there for 50 years and here's a wonderful thing because i'm an amateur scientist here <laughs> Here's the amazing thing about trees with the roots. Mm -hmm. Trees actually connect to each other and entangle in each other when they've been in a community for a while. They actually have scientifically monitored this, that trees miles away are talking to each other underground. But that root system doesn't develop like in the first eh, first year. No, these trees have been dug deep into the community. Do you want to be deeply rooted in your community? Or do you just want to be tossed back and forth in the wind? If you want to be deeply rooted in the community, you've got to sit still long enough to understand keeping the analogy going, the seasons that you're in. And so that does mean you have you have to sit still long enough to observe, well, what's going on here? Grant writing has a season. Funding has a season. Working with corporate sponsorship and businesses has a season. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the reasons people get so scared is that, oh my gosh, I have this grant and oh my gosh, if I don't sit, you know, run after it and apply for it or whatever, 
The grand will be back next year. <laughs> if there's not an, if that grant's not back, there's two more grants due next month. Oh my goodness. If you miss the ones in March, there's another one in April. And, and if not, if you miss all of that, you have like a summer to figure out a few things. But in the meanwhile, yes, I want to be very clear. Yes, you, we have families to feed. And one of the ways that we can feed our families is by providing right now services. There are several ways that you can provide right now services and get paid within a week. But if we continue to have kind of a survival mentality, you won't be able to see what are my right now services? What are the services that are something I could do within a month? Uh, and what are the cultural products? What are the um, long-term projects that I need to get funding for? Things that have, as uh, one of my mentors, Rafael Cruz used to say, a long runway. So if I have something that has a long runway, like say a cultural product, which may or may not be purchased by somebody, some sort of expression, some sort of performance, some sort of installation, then it has a long runway, you need a funder. And so even that, in order to be done properly so that it really impacts the community, has requires planning and that you just need to sit still for that. Um, so all of that is in the story that you're telling. You're, you're telling the story of yourself as a multi-dimensional, impactful change agent. And so for me, some of my right now products or projects or whatever, I can write something up for you. Or long-term, we're working together to really understand your organization and really just understand you. What's next for you? But I gotta get you to sit still. <laughs> and so to going back to some of the challenges that you had asked about what are the challenges, change agents like to, to move um, and they like to be doing, but moving and doing isn't necessarily change and it's not necessarily growth. Thank, thank you. And I have a couple. I have a couple um, comments here, Paula. Well, thank you. Your natural period. One story is always in a state of flux. Natalie dropping big gems. Yes, I was like, okay, are you answering the question? So the circle, are you talking to me? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Michael, oh, he's sending some love. People really enjoying a lot of the conversation. Leela, absolutely. Entrepreneurship, for example, you never get a break, especially for the first five years. It's hard to sit still, but it takes discipline, 
motivation and persistence, it can be difficult. So, so to talk about Leela's, um, it, it is difficult. Um, and so, so I wanna make sure that I'm being very clear about the sitting still. Sitting still is the hardest thing for those of us who like to help. Because you've defined your identity as the hero. Like I, I'm here to help. I'm here to make an impact. I'm here to be better. And also, it, it's hard when you're doing it all by yourself to see the way that you can sit still and not, right? How can I sit still and not lose some money? Let me be very clear. The first time that you sit still, you might have to lose a little bit of money. And so you have to understand that you're losing some money, some little money right now to get big money later. So the thing is, you have to be honest with yourself about when you can sit still. Like if rent is due tomorrow, and you have the client that you need to pick up today so they'll pay you today yeah of course this is not when to sit still but it needs to be in the plan and 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 we start then to think more carefully about the clients that we take as as change agents not everybody is your client hmm. not everybody is your client and and that's very hard and i will tell you as a teacher and 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 good teachers great teachers some of my best mentors tell me this reverend dr helen ward carey said you can't teach him if you don't love him and that means if the client sitting in front of you is driving you bananas and not in a good way you don't love them you need to find a way to put yourself in front of the clients that you love you can't serve them if you don't love them mm -hmm. and we need to as change agents be real about that do i love the people that i'm serving or have I just decided this is my mission and whoever shows up is who I'm supposed to serve? No, sometimes you need to refer people out to somebody else. And so part of our, our moving from survival into thriving and through truly being a benefit to our community is creating a network. And that means if I'm not the right person for you, I can find somebody who can't who who is the right person. We, we've got to get off of this whole competition, survival, scarcity mentality because it's not serving our community. It's not the true story. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's a lie. It's a lie. 
we are healthier when we collaborate. We have a question from the audience. Michael, what are the unique challenges trying to deal with clients in today's environment with the stress, please? I have two pitch meetings tomorrow and people are on edge. Oh my gosh, Michael, I love pitch meetings. Oh, those are the best. I, and I know you're like, no, they're not. Everybody's <laughs> on edge. So going back to the the um, I want to make sure, can you read the question for me again? I want to make sure I hit everything that Michael asks. What are the challenges trying to deal with clients in today's environment with the stress? I have two pitch meetings tomorrow and people are on edge. Okay. The unique challenges of trying to, to deal with today's market and the stress. So the first thing I would say to Michael or anyone who's about to step into a pitch meeting is you need to be relaxed about the meeting and your mindset needs to be listening to see if the client is a good fit for you too. If I, if I was in front of everybody, like for real, for real, I would say, raise your hand if you've ever fought for a client and then regretted it as you started the relationship. Okay, if I was sitting in front of you, I'd ask you to raise your hand. And I would tell you, if you're an entrepreneur, you've had at least one client that you pushed to get and then regretted later. <laughs> so I'm saying that to you because I want you to first have the right mindset and the mindset is I'm getting the client that is perfect for me. And so the pitch meeting is not just the client interviewing you, but you interviewing the client, which is a completely different mindset that pulls away some of the stress and the edge. you're keeping in mind that every client is a drain on your resources that you could be using for a better client. And so not to, not to, to, um, what's the word? Not to disparage customers. You're not disparaging anybody, but you wanna make sure that whoever is sitting in front of you you are providing them what they actually need. So you have to, before these pitch meetings, do some research. Sometimes a pitch meeting is just you interviewing and saying, okay, well, mm, I, I understand what I don't want. I understand what my business is not the right fit for. It's educational for you. You also have to understand why you're on edge. What's the risk? If the risk is we need the money for this client, I need you to really be clear about what the data says. And the data says that out of all of the pitch meetings that you have, you need to have a hundred leads that whittle down to 10 
potentials that whittled down to actually three meetings. Okay, and, and it, you're, 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 you have to understand that some of your stress might be, and I, we're not talking, so I don't know, but some of the stress might be that you don't have enough leads. And so you're really focused on these two pitch meetings because you don't have 10 other phone calls. When we, when we don't have enough leads, we get nervous because every lead, every potential meeting is important. If you understand that, you know, I just got to keep having these leads coming, that's part of telling your story. You're telling your story until, until it sticks, until something sticks. And so part of that is you just have to continue to tell your story, understanding that 97% of the people you tell your story to won't be a good fit. And it has nothing to do with you. It's nothing personal. You just want that really solid 3%. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about what's coming up for us um, later on in the year, because what we'll be doing is the discussions about um, and classes for that. You want to be a change agent. You want your business to um, to be impactful, to be distinctive. There's certain ways that you need to approach the market, but a big one is, please, oh please, have more meetings coming, so that you're not so stressed. And then, of course, practice and research. I mean, like, yes, practice and research. Hopefully you've researched the two people, the two organizations that you're going to meet and um, your team is researched and um, your team is a cohesive one. So, you know, if, have your coffee in the morning, hug up on each other. Um, don't throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> you know. Um, do something fun right before the meeting so you're in a good, you've got good energy before you walk in. Um, and then afterwards, you got to do a debrief, talk to each other, how'd it go, what you could have done better, et cetera. So Michael's like, yep, yep, awesome, you're good. So so keep those leads coming in, Michael. And someone did ask about, is that the same as a, a elevator pitch? And an elevator pitch is when you're trying to tell someone who's a short rider elevator in your business, um, versus pitching a program, a concept, uh, whatever it is to, so that's two different things. So what are some of the misconceptions about storytelling in the business world? The biggest mix misconception is that everyone needs to go viral. Mm. No. <laughs> Um, there isn't necessarily value in being viral if you are not viral in front of the right audience. And I see this all the time. Like I see people who have a particular type of business um, hopping on the socials or the TikToks and doing like whatever latest crazy dancer challenge or whatever. And I'm like, that's great. You're going to go viral. But then 
to to who? <laughs> to who? who? Who's watching this? And so like, I don't like, hey, you know, if you want to go viral, cool. But what's the point? So so the the storytelling for business, a lot of people are just making content to make the content. Is it in front of the right audience? Mm-hmm. It, so one of the things that I'm really, really clear about is helping people first find the right audience. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's the thing that I um, I'm really excited about because that it that really does you know I, I was I was uh, talking to a coach I think everybody needs a coach I was talking to a coach and one of the things that he asked me was um, what distinguishes you from the other storytelling whatever people in the in the market and I was like I'm one of the few people who says who's your audience first most everybody else is like tell your story get on stage <laughs> you know whatever else and i'm like why are you on this stage <laughs> and especially because a lot of the people i work with are introverts they don't want to be on stage mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they want to be over here they're like okay right great all right, it's my, can I can I do my storytelling from here? That's what they're doing. <laughs> and so, so working with introverts and having them um, still be able to tell a really beautiful and robust story, um, you know, for the right audience at the right time. Because because definitely, if I'm working with an introvert. They, the last thing I, they want is to be up on, like, I've been to South by Southwest, I've done the TED Talk, blah, blah, blah. They don't, they're like, why, why, why are there people in front of me? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm about audience. Is it the right audience? Are you engaging your audience the right way? Mm -hmm. Forget the story. If, if it's all about the story, then you, then, then I'm not the right fit for you. And I, and I would add just from a social media perspective, like there's nothing wrong partaking in some of the trends as a, as a form of levity, as a form of connecting, as a form of, because if, it's, if, if, if your social media is only my service, my product, what I do, people tune it out. But you did, you know, so you also have to figure out, yeah, if it's only about doing viral, but okay, you have a hundred thousand views on a video, but then no one tapped on your product or service. You got to look at that. So, and it's nice to say, like for me, I love one of my guilty pleasures is because I love music and dance. So sometimes on a Friday, I will reshare in my stories um, some little dance clip. Right? I'm not expecting people to say, "Oh, wait, that's samba. Let me go buy something from Nikki Lopez Creative." It's so it's something that reflects. It's another reflection of my personality, and it's something a little bit sprinkled in the things that I do, but yes, I just wanted to add that, you know, a little, you know, um, social media perspective from what you're saying. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I, it shouldn't, it's, it's, it's definitely, I, I'm in agreement with that. And I think for me, it's just a matter of some people just 
Mm -hmm. want to be viral and and they're not doing what you're saying which is being very thoughtful of it mm -hmm. how important is storytelling in grant writing and or media <laughs> it's everything <laughs> it's it's literally and i hate to like laugh just like that it's literally everything and that's that's where you know i i i've written grants for just about every uh type of of organization company for profit i think people think that grants are only for for profit for nonprofit companies for profit not-for-profit artists individuals students whatever uh schools uh government it's all story and again it's all audience so it's it's very important for all of it and and um there was one year uh, or not one year there was a, a a series of years i can't remember what they, i think it was like 2005 to 2013 where i was doing a lot of work in the community and every year for that year i was in the news media i was in the print media news print media which is not easy <laughs> Um, but I know how to write a press release and, um, I really, I want people to really get that they need to be unafraid of speaking their story. Um, but just really, um, get good at it, practice it, get good at it, pitch it to people. I'm happy that Michael's doing those two pitch meetings. Um, and, and just really, really, really be unapologetic about speaking about who you are. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna switch it up, switch up the question a little bit. So, uh, and, and thank you. So I'm thanking everyone who's on this live. Um, I know our show tends to be half an hour-ish. <laughs> And I really do appreciate Narissa that you're, you know, you're on, you're dropping jewels and you're taking your time with the information that you're delivering. And I really appreciate that. You know, anyone who has the patience to listen to this is going to get a lot from it. And hopefully I'm getting a lot from it and I'm asking the questions and, um, and you know, I just want to say thank you. And thank you for those who are on the live and also those who are going to listen on a replay. Um, this is a wonderful, uh, nice little um, jumping back into the circle after two two month break. <laughs> what is one thing? What is one thing that people may not know about you that you're comfortable sharing? Uh, okay, uh, I was in a tech accelerator, mm. so. Um, a tech accelerator and um, again, no one's paying me, so I'm not mentioning their name, um, but I wouldn't mention their name in this instance because I dropped out of the tech accelerator because I didn't feel supported. Um, and I am, anyone who knows me, a bulldog. So like, if I say I'm gonna do something, I'm just, I'm gonna hold on to it for dear life, but I, um, technology or the way that I was approaching and it was it was a particular business that I was trying to launch online 
and um, it really was made for, as we talked about before. Um, so I'm coming to the, the, the industry and this was a while ago. So the industry has changed since then. Um, but I'm coming, I was coming to the industry at the time as somebody who is one of the sole supporters of my family. And so the way that the accelerator was structured was for people who didn't have to think about those kinds of things. Mm. And so, um, I happened to be the only, um, one of the only few women and the only woman of color in in the um, experience. And normally that's not something that I'm really paying attention to, but it became um, evident. And I was kind of shocked because I'm like, oh, it's tech. It's not gonna be a thing. <laughs> and everybody in the tech industry now is like, you're, you're, you're a dork. <laughs> you're thinking in those ways. But I really was like, you know, I'm just here with, with what I think is a good um, model and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go for it. Um, but of course, since then, I mean, I, I, I've continued, I've gotten mentorship from other um, technology-based um, accelerators and incubators and things like that, and I've moved forward. And so that's why I was very um, confident to launch Black Women Podcasting. Mm. Um, like, because after I'd gone through all of that um, process and I realized, you know, I, I still believe in in a tech and online-based um, soft, software as a service kind of thing, I, I really believed in providing something like that. So I was able to get a team together and we launched a really fun platform. So yeah, Black Women Podcasting, um, where you can find Black women who podcast and, and, inter and interact and engage with them, which is something that you cannot do. The only place that you can really interact and engage with people um, fully is YouTube. And even with YouTube, you can't get the person's email. Mm -hmm. With our platform, you can get the person's email. So um, they can listen right on the platform um, and they can they can search and find other black women who are podcasting. So really excited about that and, and moving past pre-revenue um, this year, which is really great. Awesome, awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, we have Sophie. That's a great convo. Thank you. Oh, hey. Your wisdom. And Nikki for facilitating the awesome program. Absolutely. Nikki Lopez is the bee's knees. Everybody, if you can, wherever you are at our house, <laughs> give Nikki two snaps up. Give her a round of applause. Put your little hearts wherever you're listening to it. If you're listening to it on LinkedIn, please give the little clap. Um, if you're listening to it on Facebook, you know what to do. Give your, your hearts. If you're wherever it is, YouTube. Give us those little likes, subscribe, everything like that. Nikki Lopez is always serving the community, always doing great work. Um, and we appreciate the platform that you have, have given. There's so many great people that I've listened to on The Circle. So it is my joy to, to be here as well. Um, and uh, looking forward to what's next. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think is this our second time you're on here or third time? 
So that's just like, you know, I'm the feelings mutual. <laughs> I love what you do and how you do it and just keep growing and, and trying different things and different perspectives and, um, and, and you know, uh, taking uh, context from something else and, you know, and kind of revisioning for something else, you know? So I, I'm just thinking of some of the things that you said and I, I just really, I got to go back to it. I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards, but I got to go back to it. I love how you're that approach about, um, you know, finding out what people need and, and also like be empowering people, not just here's a grant, I'm a savior, I'm a savior. Cause when you think of those things in other contexts where you're just creating this space where people are just expecting a handout and always having a handout, that's not really progress because progress is helping that person, but teaching them to fish, not just giving them the fish, teaching them to fish and, and teaching them to be teachers for, so they could go out and teach other people to fish. So absolutely. Um, Leela say you both are amazing, proud of my croonies. Oh, thank you. Leela said, okay, we're wrapping up, but we have a couple comments. The target audience is the most important aspect in business. You must know your market and identify exactly their needs and how you can connect with them in satisfying their needs. In certain respects, going viral can be an important tool in presenting your experience. Yes, 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 absolutely. So we've talked so much about the work you do, the, that you do, why you do it, some challenges. This is, you know, like we've covered so much and I'm really grateful for that. But I would like to also know, because um, I know, you know, we both share that, you know, we have the, the meditation be practice that we do and uh, different things. Um, and just the importance of mental health and uh, self-care and self-love and all those things. So I definitely want to make sure that, you know, we cover that. Do you have any particular self-care practices that you do that you're fond of? You know, what are some practices that you have? Because I'm, I'm sure with all this work, you know, there's a, a level of like, I have to fill my own cup so I could do all this work. <laughs> So I'm really, really grateful for um, a practice that actually you brought me to, um, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, uh, Mind-Body Skills. So I'm grateful. And she popped on for like a few minutes in the beginning. And then I noticed she, she um, had some other things to do. But myself and Idelma Quintana, uh, who is herself a uh, just an amazing and, and beneficial member of the community, just period, the end, right? Mm -hmm. um, both of us are facilitating um, practices that we are incorporating in our own lives um, called mind-body skills. And these particular practices are ways that you can regulate your body Right. So back to what Michael had been talking about, like, how do I deal with the stress? Right. Um, I think we have in our mind that stress is just a part of life. Right. Chronic stress does not have to be a part of your life. And and it's essential that you regulate your body when stress shows up for you. So 
any kind of shock, discomfort, pain, um, upset, anger, um, bad situation, you're going to respond to it. You, you experience it. And then there is a moment, and I think we don't realize, there's a moment where your body responds, but the type of response that you have to the stress starts here. If you are clear that whatever is happening to you is harming you and harming you in an in irreparable way, right? The way that your body interprets that threat, it starts to attack itself. Mm -hmm. It's insane how that works. Scientifically, it's amazing. Your body does all kinds of things. It contracts. It releases the, the, the adrenaline. Um, it puts you into this like really contracted state mentally where you, your, your, your vision changes, your breathing changes. It's like attacking itself because your body is priming you to fight or to run away or to freeze or whatever, your body is priming you for, for pain and hurt and damage, right? And so it's contracting because it wants to make sure that whatever is damaged is, is as small as possible. Like it wants to, to, to reduce damage because it thinks it's gonna be damaged, your body is trying to reduce damage. I want us to be very clear about that when you have something happen to you and you have a mindset that yeah okay it's uncomfortable it's unpleasant but i'm not going to be damaged by it keep clear your body is not going to further damage you it'll bounce off you mm -hmm. In these practices, the feelings come and the feelings go. The thoughts come and the thoughts go. But it's up to us to train ourselves so that you're, you allow your body, like, no, it's okay, we're here. And so we've already been trained that we're being damaged all the time. And so your body is constantly in this contracted state, which is, it's constricting blood flow. <laughs> I don't mean to yell, but it's constricting blood flow. So what do you think that's gonna do when your blood is not properly flowing through to your extremities? You're gonna have neuropathy. Your vision's gonna decrease. Your stomach's not gonna be able to digest food. Your ankles are gonna swell. Your blood pressure's gonna go up. So the practices, myself and Edelma are, are facilitating something called reframing burnout. Mm. You can actually go to reframingburnout.com and find out more about it. Um, where we are sharing for free these practices we're being sponsored of course we're not going to sell anything 
it's never, you know, it's just a matter of we want the community to benefit. And what we're doing is um, we're offering it to people who care for others. So if you're, um, you're, if you are a caregiver, a nurturer, a healer, or whatever, um, this is this is the this is our gift to the community. Um, but it, that's the self care. The other thing that I do is holy Toledo. I laugh. <laughs> at like the silliest things i go find let's go back to being viral right i go find the viral thing that's funny and i cackle like if someone were to be standing outside my door they would think something was actually like something was happening to me <laughs> because i'm like cackling but that it's the joy it makes the joy rise up so i i'm i'm all about joy i'm all about making um, I'm all about making sure joy is is number one. So I try to hang out with with people who, even if you're not able to be joyful, your your mindset um, should be should be one of of possibility. So that's it. I mean, I would say mind body practices, anchoring in joy, and um, having a group of people around me who are just positive and um that's enough this nikki lopez this has been a lovely experience <laughs> yes yes thank you thank you for being here oh absolutely a lovely experience this has been what's the best way we did share the comments I shared in the comments your links, your Instagram, your Linktree, your YouTube. What's the best way for people to contact you? So uh, if you go on, uh, if you, she said it's on the Linktree, the best way to contact me, um, oh, by the way, another way that I'm caring for myself is by um, limiting contact <laughs> with, with people. So um, the best way to contact me is to go to my link tree. Um, so it's whatever, however link tree is spelled slash Narissa Street. And there it is, it's awesome. <laughs> however link tree is spelled slash Narissa Street. Um, you can book a call with me if you want to have a conversation about um, telling your story for money. Um, and I don't mean like, on the media, meaning like, how do we get grants? How do we get funding? Um, if you're interested in being on my podcast or having me on a podcast, that's all on my link tree. Um, and if you want to listen to the things that I talk about with other people, you can go to Be Your Own Answer on any podcast platform. My producer says you can say Alexa play be your own answer podcast and it's there, which I think is really cool. <laughs> so the be your own answer podcast is a place. Um, and then of course, reframing burnout. And then we have um, coming up, we'll have uh, redefinegood.com. So it's already up, but redefinegood.com is the place to find that series that we talked about earlier. Um, 
and that that's going to be the way that you can connect with 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 me directly but um or you know follow me on instagram but this uh i'm i'm grateful for the opportunity to share um the the story the storytelling uh if i could leave you with something uh anyone who's doing any kind of storytelling um understand that your audience really isn't there for your story they're there for the happy ending mm -hmm. so give it to them powerful powerful thank you so much narissa um for being here uh thank you for everyone who has uh who showed up there's some new people. There's some people who are just like diehard. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, please consider sharing this uh, program to your networks. Um, you know, that's a simple and free way to empower, to encourage, to enlighten, to affirm uh, someone. Someone could be inspired by some of the things that Narissa is saying and reach out to her. So definitely please uh, do those things. Uh, thank you so much, my awesome friends. So that's an easy way to help get the word out. Um, again, my name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative and What's Your Elephant. Um, this program is brought to you by What's Your Elephant. Uh, What's Your Elephant is a program that uses the arts to create safe spaces to address anything unspoken. Um, and so if you want more information about what I do, what I'm up to, what's coming up next, I'm, I've been doing a lot of virtual, but there's been some in-person hybrid as well. If you go to whatsyourelephant.org, you could also go to my link tree and try to scroll through some of those links to figure out what's going on and to connect with me. Or if you wanna be on the circle, if you wanna get to the YouTube channel, if you wanna to get to some of the programs that I'm doing. Uh, matter of fact, tomorrow, Wednesday, February 16th, 2022, I am partnering with uh, Kathleen Dean of the Victory uh, Theater, Black Box Theater of the YMCA, the LA Lee YMCA. And we're doing, um, many of you know, I've done a project, The Art of Justice, uh, which is using art, you know, uh, talking about social justice, using the arts and um, bringing in different artists and performers to do a lot of workshops and um, and showcasing the work. So that's gonna be a virtual culmination tomorrow. I've also put that link in the comments. So you could RSVP, it will be virtual. We have jazz singer Rita, Rita uh, Wilburn uh, is gonna be uh, singing. Um, we're also gonna be speaking with a powerhouse, Jasmine Rogers and also performance by Keith Wade. So we're gonna be looking at art and advocacy and, um, and activism. And um, we're gonna you know, showcase that tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, thanks again for everyone who's watching live. Thanks again for everyone who's tuned in on whether you're Facebook, YouTube, Linktree, not Linktree, <laughs> LinkedIn, um, any of the podcasts, thank you so much. Um, I will see you all next week. Well, the next following Tuesday that we have the program. So thank you so much. Good night. Mm -hmm.